Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. My name is John McGee, and I'm joined today in the studio by Emma, Blake, and David, and we're talking about church membership. We've got a great episode here, uh, joined in the studio by three of my close friends, Emma Daughter. She is the Join the Journey coordinator. We've got uh, Blake Holmes. He is our lead pastor. And we have David Peniel, who is our creative director. We don't even know what a creative director oh, does, but it sounds so really creative. important. <laughs> it sounds really, really important. Okay. So I feel like this question is going to yield something kind of magical here. So we did an episode, David, with you, episode 77, about reinventing yourself, because uh, you had kind of a, <laughs> a storied history around here of uh, a lot of like, well, let's see, um, pushing the envelope, Maybe. Ma- becoming really close to crossing the line, sometimes crossing the line. And yeah. now, actually today, you're actually wearing a suit, you have a tie, you're all grown up now. Yep. And we talked about kind of that process. But let's go back to some of the... Uh, the, the early days here and uh, things, you know, you got the most trouble for, you took the most heat for, closest you were to getting fired. Like answer. Yeah. A oh, wow. Of Thanks for asking that, John. <laughs> uh, I always love answering that with an audience. Um, but actually, I try not to glorify those things uh, because I don't want them to mark me anymore. But I'll tell I'll tell one. Thank you. One little story. Uh, it'll be All great. Right? So there's this classic youth group game. I, I used to be uh, a less creative youth minister, um, but it's where you take plexiglass and you split an Oreo open and you put it on the plexiglass. Absolutely. So that everyone in the audience sees the person trying to eat the Oreos off the plexiglass and yep. they're racing. But I adapted the game. And I turn the plexiglass sideways and put a person on each side. So there's a junior high boy and a junior high girl, both eating Oreos off opposite sides of plexiglass, but it looks like their their faces are mashing together. Um, and so that was far more entertaining to me, but uh, dare I say less appropriate than what we should have been doing in a ministry setting. And boy, did I hear about it. <laughs> but, the crowd, let's, but I assume the kids went... Crazy! Oh, the kids loved it. You're, you're doing it for the kids, not the parents or the elders. Really, was... I would say for the gospel. <laughs> okay. Well, again, so we can grow in discretion. We can grow right. in discernment. Yeah. And uh, in the way that we execute the ideas that seem wise to us. And so, if you still if that's where you are and you want to grow in that, I commend episode seventy-seven because we've come a long way, haven't we've we? We've come a long way. It was like, it's been, what, six, seven months since I did that. <laughs> At least. Okay. Well, uh, kidding aside, uh, we were in a staff meeting uh, recently, Blake, you were leading, and I kind of wanted to recreate some of that conversation here. Uh, but you posed a question, and I'd love you to kind of tee up that question, and even why that was an important question to even ask uh, to our staff. Yeah. So the question I asked on that Tuesday was simply, um, hey, do you think membership is biblical. Where do we find even the concept or the mindset of church membership? And um, this really comes from, it was a while ago, I saw a Newsweek magazine that said, forget the church, follow Jesus. Hmm. Yep. And I just thought that was so emblematic of our day. And it's very popular. It's very, it's almost like sport, even amongst Christians, sadly, to talk about, hey, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. Yep, just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. And that mindset, in that Americanized Western individualistic mindset, I think is very counter to what the Bible has to say yep. about um, the importance 
of the local church. It, it'd be a little bit like, hey, Rebecca, who's my wife, hey, Rebecca, I love you. I just don't want anything to do with your family, yeah. right? <laughs> like that would not go over very well. <laughs> so this is where you normally say something, David, right there. I'm not saying you anything. Yeah. Yourself. Okay, great. Keep so, going, Blake. So just the ideas. I was just, I, I was asking our, our, our team, I was just saying, hey, guys, let's talk about um, why membership is not man's idea, but it's God's idea. And, um, and so that, that started a great conversation, a fun conversation, why we value membership, what it is, what it's not. And yeah. So I love it. Well, it was a really great discussion. I candidly, I mean, I guess in hindsight, I, I, you kind of posed the question and I don't even know if you were even looking for a response and all of a sudden multiple people started standing up and saying, Hey, I've got an answer for that. And which I was really encouraged by. Um, and so we brought two of those, uh, answers here. Uh, Emma, we'll let you go first here, but you know, I think what happens a lot of times is people go, hey, I did a word search for membership in the Bible, and I, don't, I just don't see that, that word there. And so, Emma, how would you uh, answer that? You know, your friend says, it's just me and Jesus. I love Jesus. And sometimes I go to church, but I don't see membership in the Bible. What was your uh, answer to that? Sure. So we also don't see words like Trinity mm-hmm. in the Bible, but it's assumed or implied. And the same is true for membership. And so I just thought of, hey, what are five places in scripture where we see membership really clearly implied? And the first comes from First Timothy. Do you want me to say like worms? Yeah, absolutely. Worms. absolutely. Like, let, let me let me give context to this because this let's just keep going. Yeah. Uh, her, when Blake asked the question. Emma's hand just shot right Absolutely. up. Like he and, wasn't he wasn't done asking the question. Yes, and then when he called and I on was her, so proud, <laughs> so proud. And, and when he called on her, she goes worms. That's right. And everyone was like worms. What? And, okay, I didn't I didn't just say yeah, the word. That's absolutely what happened in yeah. my mind. <laughs> oh my god! You just went worms. I'm with you. And everyone was like worms. And then you explained it so beautifully. So yes, okay. worms. Take us through the word worms. All right, sure. So the W stands for widows. Because in 1 Timothy 5.9, we read, let a widow be enrolled if she's not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. And so we have to ask, enrolled into what? There's some sort of formal system implied or assumed there. The O is of us. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us because they weren't of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued on with us. But they went out that it might become clear that they all were not of us. Us. Yeah. And so that's just one example of many places where we see this picture of those who are in and those who are out of us. R, remove this man, and M, majority punishes. Both of those come from 1 Corinthians 5.2 and 2 Corinthians 2.6. And it's simply that we see church discipline being removed from what or mm-hmm. punished by who. And then S, spur one another on. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. That's that we might live out the one and others of scripture. And I use that acronym worms to help me remember it. But if I was in a actual pastoral conversation with a peer who was asking, why do I have to jump through all these hoops to get in a community group at Watermark? What's up with that? I think of it as a mental filing cabinet. So if somebody's got a question about the system, W and O can be really helpful. If they've got a question about the standard they're going to be held to, the R and the M is really helpful. I love it. Really solid. I want to put a comma because I want to. This is. I want to stay on topic here. But sure. you've done that for more than just this one topic, right? Yes. Yeah. Just talk about that just for a second, just kind of as a best practice, and yeah, want to be kind of so diligent. So when I went through the institute, we learned all sorts of things like that. 
five P's for the inerrancy of scripture, just mnemonic devices to help you remember things. And my first job at Watermark was actually on the membership team. And so I knew that I'd have to have conversations with people who had questions about our doctrinal statement or why you couldn't live with your boyfriend or shouldn't, uh, that kind of thing. And I realized those mnemonic devices were just creating this mental filing cabinet for me. And I anticipated, hey, these are the topics that will probably yep. come up and I need to be ready to answer them. Yeah. And so you've done that. Do you know how many topics you've done that for? Um, a good handful. Yeah. 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 Well, I saw, I saw your file. Tell it, us like seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was substantial. So I was it's, really encouraged. It's a good number. I felt like, so just to, just encourage you, I, when you sent me those files, I thought this is the kind of the thing that, uh, someone who's 65 and has been doing pastoral care for a long time and they share their notes or their, uh, their playbook. And, uh, I was like, man, this is just a, uh, a young woman on our staff who's just really being diligent and doing the hard work ahead of time. I was really encouraged uh, by that. I filed it, and I think I sent it to my kids. I was like, if you want a really good model here, look at uh, what Emma's done. So uh, super helpful. Uh, it was fun to hear that live. Worms, uh, widows of us, removed, majority, and spur one another on. Uh, majority punishes. Yeah, what, and what you, could, you could also think of them metaphors for the church. That works too. That can yeah. be helpful. Yeah, that's good. I mean, let's just we'll talk go. about the metaphors of the church, if we could, just real quickly. Go. Because that, that is what's implied. Let's think about it, right? Um, when Jesus, this is what's, if we just read the scriptures, we recognize Jesus redefines family. When you trust in Jesus Christ, right, what he is saying is, welcome to the family. You now um, are part of something much bigger than anything biologically, mm -hmm. right? Your your mom or your dad or your brothers. In fact, Jesus makes some pretty controversial, controversial statements around our relationships with one another. And so when we become a part of the church, we're part of his family, we're part of the flock of God, we're part of the body of, of Christ. All these metaphors imply we become a part of something much bigger than ourselves. It's not this individualistic mindset that I think we're guilty of having in the American church. I think that's, so I'm 25. A lot of people my age take that individualistic mindset, but the problem is they aren't held accountable for their actions. And so if, if they understood, Hey, Christians should be marked by certain things and Christians are members of a church, it'd be a lot more clear. Like there would be so much confusion removed. Yeah, it's good. Clarity and, is kindness. And, and, it, and it provides protection, yeah. mm -hmm. right? When I'm alone out there by myself, right? He who separates himself is not wise. He quells against all sound wisdom. Proverbs 18 teaches that. And so when I'm alone and operating in my own thoughts and what I think is best, right? That's always going to lead to trouble. But when I become a part of that family, um, what happens is, is I'm instructed in that family. I am, I'm, I'm shaped in that family, I'm, I'm developed, I'm cared for, I'm protected, I'm taught, I'm provided for. That's what a good family yep. does. And what God has done, it's so great. If you think about it, that's what baptism is. Baptism is a party. Welcome to the family. Mm -hmm. It gives you a tangible, physical um, entry into the doorway. And it's not just the individual saying, hey, look, I've trusted Christ. It's also the church, the local church saying, Welcome to this family. Yeah. We love you. You're a part of this family now. And then in God's kindness, he gives us communion, which is the dinner table where we gather as believers, one body, one family, the flock of God. We remind ourselves of what is essential. What marks us as the family of God? 
but the grace of God, the blood of Christ spilt for us. You think about all that the communion teaches and what Jesus intends for us. It's not just our relationship with the Lord. Communion also reminds us, hey, how are we doing in our relationship with each other, mm-hmm. right? What's going on in our own hearts? So, um, so f- church membership is, um, is, is biblical th- throughout scripture. We think of church membership and we think of the church, we think of a building, we think of programs and we think of maybe a, a I don't know, a, a Rolodex somewhere, maybe on a Rolodex somewhere <laughs> the, in the church the, I grew up the on. The 80s just called you, brother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, I'll give it my age a little bit, but I swear on my churches, my the church I grew up in, right? I guarantee you I'm on the Rolodex still and haven't been there in 35 years. But, uh, you know, we think of... Uh, we think of, sadly, we think of church membership in such a anemic, we have such an anemic ecclesiology. And so um, it's really hurt us as the people of God in shaping um, our view of what all the blessings God intends for us, yeah. right? So I love it. Well, that, that family, just <clears throat> that metaphor of a family, it's just one word. But if you're in a great family and you just say, my family, it just elicits all kinds of incredible emotions and connotations and history and things like that. And so uh, I remember preaching through that, uh, just that idea a couple of years ago, and I was just struck by what a gift it is to be a part of the family. And I love that baptism is, is a welcome. And it's one of the things I love about Watermark is we always, you know, at the end of the service, we say we are now baptizing uh, and we put their uh, pictures up there and, um, and we say, you know, go out there and celebrate with them. And the, and the place just kind of erupts, you know, mm-hmm. and so we're not mm-hmm. a, uh, we're not an, a, uh, especially expressive, you know, a church on Sunday morning, right. but boy, the, the place just erupts That's and right. it's like, we've got new family members and uh, it's really, really fun. Okay. David, you, um, so this is back, back in the days before you reinvented, uh, yourself, there's also a, <laughs> there's a famous staff picture, uh, where we're all wearing a, sh- you know, same shirt and David is, let's say he didn't, he didn't wear a shirt that day or he took it off right before the, uh, the shutter, uh, kind of snapped there just to kind of paint a picture of how far uh, we've come here. But there was a day uh, when you had to explain church membership to junior high kids, you know, you, uh, I guess you opened the night with Oreos and looking, you know, looking on the other side of the, the plexiglass. And then you talk about membership, which would have been an amazing kind of bridge. I wish I could have been there to see that. Um, but you, you, after Emma, I think you, you stood up and said, Hey, this is how I talked about it with junior high kids. So do you mind sharing that? Yeah, I will. And one thing I didn't say in staff prayer that I'll add on the metaphor deal, and then I'll bridge into this is, you know, family is one metaphor. Flock is another yep. metaphor. The embassy, you know, sending out ambassadors, but also the body of Christ in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. And I do teach this to junior high kids. When I was in seventh grade, a girl in my grade named Kathy, I won't say her last name, but she cut off her finger in woodshop class. And that, no way. The, the, yes. that a, that a girl was in woodshop. That's a girl was in woodshop, cut off Oklahoma. her finger. Yeah. And they, they did what you're supposed to do in that situation is put it on ice, rush her to the ER and reattach her finger. Now, why did they have to rush to do that? Because the finger does not survive separate from the body. And that's just what God's word says explicitly is none of us are meant to live independently of one another. The life of God flows through the people of God into our lives. And so I I give the kids that metaphor of the body and I go, 
look, if you lost a limb, you would want to reattach it quickly because that limb would die if it was separate. And we have to be attached to one another. So Sever, then, severed fingers, great sever, way to open it. Fingers, oh, great high. way to open a junior high talk. Yeah. So, so if you think about those metaphors, when we say we don't want to be a part of the church, yeah. I mean, we're, we're basically saying um, in terms of the body, hey, I, I would rather be dismembered. Yeah. Right. Or I'd rather be orphaned and not be a part of the family. And you, you just think about the opposites of, of each one of those, the embassy you mentioned, I'd rather be exiled. And, and it's like, no, 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 no. It's when we understand our ecclesiology, when we have a healthy ecclesiology, not an anemic ecclesiology, when we have a robust understanding of what all that God is intending to bless us with through his people, as expressed in those metaphors, man, it's something we should be running to, not begrudgingly like, oh, I, I guess I got to join this church. So I think as church leaders, we've got to give people a vision that, hey, joining this church means something much more than having your name on a roll. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So what I said at Staff Prayer, though, was I said, hey, what I tell the kids is, man, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And kids want to make a difference. They want to shine brightly. Uh, they want to stand out. Um, and so I just call them to live countercultural lives. And I show them four ways that, hey, if you would become a church member, you are going to shine brightly in this world because your life is going to be counter to the culture. You're going to be swimming upstream where everybody's just flowing this way. You're going this way. And here are the four ways is number one, uh, church membership communicates these four things. One, I can make deep commitments. Number two, I'm a contributor here, not a consumer. Number three, I am not independent. I belong to a body. And number four, I'm willingly placing myself under leadership and teaching. So let me editorialize on those real quick. Yeah. Um, I, uh, can make deep commitments. Like we have young people that wake up on a Sunday morning at 7.30 a.m. and they get up here to the church every single week because there's a class of fourth and fifth graders that are depending on them to teach them. And and we've had high schoolers do that on, on the weekend of our biggest retreat of the year called D-Town, where they stay up like all night and they're super tired and everybody else is sleeping in, they get up at 7.30 mm -hmm. and they're here mm -hmm. to teach because they're, they're just demonstrating while the rest of the world has a hard time keeping their commitments, I'm going to make and keep commitments. Um, that's a countercultural message. Okay, so next, uh, you know, the, the, the countercultural message of I'm a contributor here, not a consumer. I can't tell you how many times I hear people talk about church and say, well, I, got, I really got a lot out of it this week, or I didn't get so much out of it. And becoming a member says... Uh, my relationship with the church is less about what I get out of it and more about what I can bring to it. We want kids to understand that as they come to know God, the Spirit of God gives them gifts to use to love and serve and give their lives to others. So saying, I'm not a consumer here. I'm going to be a contributor is a powerful, brightly shining countercultural mm -hmm. message. Number three... I'm not independent. I belong to a body. That's that awareness of Romans in, in 1 Corinthians. Um, I'm not self-sufficient, although that's the message of our culture is independence and self-sufficiency. Uh, but a, a kid raising their hand saying, I need to belong somewhere. I need to be cared for and shepherded. I, I need the opportunity to contribute to others. I mean, that's a beautiful display uh, of God's design for us and actually a reflection of 
where God has lived through all of eternity, which is in community uh, within the Trinity um, and saying, man, I, I'm not independent. I belong. God belongs. God calls me to belong. It's countercultural. And then the last one, um, I'm willingly placing myself under the leadership and, and teaching of others. Uh, man, our world is relativistic. You do you. You have your truth. I have my truth. Everyone's entitled to their own truth. Uh, becoming a member of a church says, uh, I am not in charge. Uh, I'm going to willingly place myself. So imagine this, a teenager saying, yes, please, I will take authority. I need leadership. I need shepherding. I need accountability. Uh, I, I tell them this, your life counts, therefore you need accountability. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. You matter. And so we want to help be accountable for your life and keep you on the right track. And students that accept that, it's powerful. It's countercultural. So I invite them, shine like stars and do something different than the rest of the world. Keep your commitments, contribute, uh, belong, and place yourself under authority and leadership. I love it. And I, I would love just to say, and David, this is, man, just I'm grateful for your ministry and what you've modeled for so many years, because now with kids who've grown up in this church for years, who are going and are actually in college right now, what, how were they making decisions on where they went to college? They were asking themselves, where am I going to go to church? Right. And I thought to myself, that's one, amazing. that's not the question I was asking when I was going to college, but because you guys did such a good job of discipleship and teaching that value and the, and the blessing that comes with that, yeah. there was this sense of personal like responsibility. You know, my oldest daughter, Avery, going to, to college going, hey, I need to discover where am I going to church? And I just thought, Lord, thank you that my daughter has seen that modeled and doesn't resent church, the church, yeah. but wants to be a part of the family of God in a local church when she's away from our house. Well, Dave, that's a great outline for 13-year-olds and 43-year-olds, you know, and so really well done. Um, those are really, really helpful thoughts. So, uh, Blake, I want to get to, you know, I want to, you know, here in a second, I want to shift to kind of, you know, why this even matters um, a little bit more, how we do that here at Watermark. But uh, any other thoughts just as you think about, hey, is this, is this even a biblical idea? Does God care about um, membership? Any other thoughts there? No, I think I'd just be restating what's been said so well. But I, I would say um, recently I've become an elder of our church. And um, that is a sobering, um, awesome responsibility. And as I think about what, what God calls me to in that role, I would say to all of those in church leadership, um, if you don't practice, if you don't have a way to know who's a part of your body, right? When you are called to shepherd the flock of God amongst you, without some means by which you can determine your members, how can you fulfill what God's called you to as a leader of the church? Mm -hmm. And so you've got to know who your flock is. I mean, just keep using those metaphors. I, I One of my favorite things as a dad, especially now my kids have grown, is I love when we're able to gather around the table and have a family meal. Everybody's home from school, we're having a family meal. And let me just tell you, I know every chair I know who's at the table mm -hmm. and it brings me great joy. We all sit in the same seats and it's kind of like, you know, as you expand that the family of God, it should be the same way, right? Like 
as an elder, I want to know John McGee is sitting at the, at the table, David Penuel, Emma Daughter. I, I, I want to sit with the friends that I love, that I care for. But how am I going to fulfill God's call when, if I don't know who is a part of my church, yeah. how are they going to practice the one of another's of scripture if they don't know who's a part of the church? And so um, uh, without membership, how are we to practice church discipline? There's no means by which you can, it, it, in, in other words, so many of the commands of scripture become um, impossible to practice. They become obsolete. Yeah. yeah. And so we have to really, really stop and think about that. And I think, John, um, the other thing I want to say to this, I think we shy away from membership because I think we're embarrassed by this whole idea of authority. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. And authority is, is a gift from God. Okay. And we know that. We know that in the sense that if you are a parent, you know that the authority you have in your child's life is a gift to your child because you have their best interest in mind. But I think when it comes to um, church membership, we have this skewed view of authority, maybe because it's been abused in our life. And so we're suspicious of authority. We rebel against authority. It's our sin nature as well. And we also have this sense of entitlement and independence like you know, my kids would, you know, would say when they're real little, right, you're not the boss of me. You know, like we just, <laughs> we just, we want to kind of go, Hey, I want to do my own thing. And as long as it works for me, yep. I don't have to listen to you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But when the church is functioning in a healthy manner as the family of God, man, it's sweet. And I gladly submit to my elders gladly because yeah. they have my best interests in mind and they help me see some things in my life that I wouldn't otherwise see. So it's not just this Jesus in me. That's totally antithetical to what scripture teaches. There we go. Big word. You know, Blake, I was going to just add on to that. You were talking about knowing who the flock is, but as a member of the church, I need to know who my leaders are. So when I'm reading through my Bible and I get to Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, uh, for that would be of no advantage to you. I got to ask myself the question, uh, who are those leaders that I am to obey and submit to? Is this uh, just whatever my favorite podcast is that month? Do I say they're my leaders and just obey what they're saying? Um, but they have no insight into my life. Um, or is it some, the leaders at some other church down the road? Like this helps define who my leaders are. And this was written to groups of people who knew who their leaders were and they were ready to submit to them because those leaders were keeping watch over their right. souls. So that your favorite podcast, you know, pastor is not keeping watch over your soul. So church membership is important just to define the relationship. That's it. Good. And so I think really it is. If, uh, if this is a new kind of concept to you or you just you don't do membership in your church or, um, you know, you're just kind of wrestling with these. I think this is a really key verse. Hebrews 13, 17. Right. There are people, whatever your church polity is, it could be deacons, pastors, elders. Um, and uh, we that's not the argument we're going to or the, the fight we're going to pick. Uh, but what, the fight we are going to pick is that whoever it is needs to make sure that they are uh, watching over the souls. The reason is they're going to give an account. Mm -hmm. They are on the hook. And uh, so as a dad, I'm just not on the hook for everybody in my, you know, in my neighborhood. I'm on the hook for, for four and I need to encourage them. I need to feed them and clothe them. I need to disciple them. And I, I am on the hook. I literally, I literally will go to jail if I don't do my job. And, um, and, 
those in authority are going to be held to account. And you need to know who who is in and the family and who, who do you need to give uh, an account for. So, Blake? Yeah, I, I want to just comment real quickly. My uh, mindset when I was younger as a believer, I, I would just kind of... I mean, John, you and I were a part of a parachurch for years. Mm-hmm. I know David and Emma have been a part of a parachurch, and, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a parachurch kid, right? I've been so blessed by the parachurch. Um, but I think oftentimes, because sadly, in my context, the church wasn't doing its job. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the church is not me and a couple of buddies sitting in our apartment in college, right? Just because we're part of the universal church, we need to be a part of the local church. And God's defined what a healthy local church looks like. The the faithful preaching of God's word, the the practice of baptism and the Lord's Supper, the establishment of of godly leadership, the care and correction of its members. When when we understand church history, those those are just four of the marks that have defined the church. Mm -hmm. And so um, without those, you don't have a church. You may have a gathering of believers, but that's not the church. And so um, the Bible studies, uh, parachurch ministries, watching online, listening to podcasts like these, all very helpful, all very, very, very helpful. But it's like, um, I would say a cliff bar is, right, in comparison to a, a full meal, right? It, it, it can supplement you along the way. It can be nourishing along the way. It can be a help to you. But I don't want a diet, steady diet of cliff bars. Yeah. And so um, we need to be a part of the local church. I love it. I want a steak coming off of Blake Holmes Grill. If you ever get a chance to uh, experience that, <laughs> it's uh, okay. I wouldn't say life changing, but it's a it's a treat. So Blake, talk about how we think about membership here at Watermark, and we're not going to advocate that you do it just like us. But sometimes it's helpful to hear how other people do it. So how do we think about it? How do we implement it? Um, administer it? All those kind of things. Great question. I love the way you started that. Um, I will share with you the way we do it, but certainly it can look different in your local context. As long as you um, know who your members are and there is a means by which they can join your church, then after that, I think it's kind of fair game to figure out how we implement that. There are different sized churches and there's lots of complexities based on your local context. But for us at Watermark, um, real simple, you you, um, come to a class where you learn first about um, our church, what we value, what we believe. And then you go to a membership class um, for a couple of weeks where we kind of walk you through um, our history, our beliefs, what it means to be a member here, what you're committing to. And then, um, you know, just the, the values that we have as a church, why it's important to be in community, why we call our members to each have a place where they're serving and using their gifts. So they hear about the distinctives of, of who we are. And, um, and then uh, each year we ask our members to reaffirm what we uh, have as a membership covenant. It's just an agreed upon, hey, I, I want to remain a part of this local body. I want to uh, continue to be held accountable, shepherded um, within this local expression of, of God's community of faith. So that happens every year yeah. and it allows us to really have great conversations um, with our body to receive feedback. It allows all of us as members to reaffirm what we believe theologically. And, um, and then essentially it allows us as leaders to know and identify who is our flock, who are we accountable for? Yeah, it's really good. So 
again, that's that's a way to do it. I, I really like um, the way we do it, especially having to re-up. Um, you know, I've been in church part of churches before where 30, 40 years ago, you mm-hmm. walked an aisle and they signed you up and, um, and then people move away and they don't, they lose track. And so there's also some of that, you right. know, we, we get to email people and they go, Oh, I, I never let the official church email know that I moved away. So that's always helpful. I don't, we don't have to give an account for them. Uh, but there, there is a, a re-upping, uh, that I really, really like the way that we do that. And other churches that have done that, uh, have, have loved it as well. Yeah. And I would just say as, to those who are pastors and on staff and leading in churches, if you do have church membership, what's also great about that, when I receive an email from someone, um, I look and I go, hey, is this a member of our church? Or if someone asks for, hey, can I meet with you? Yeah. Can you come to this particular event? I look, if they're a member of our church, it, the priority of that rises exponentially to me. And so, because I can't just meet with everybody who wants to meet with me or have a conversation with anybody, but if they're a member of this church, I feel a responsibility yeah. and a privilege to take that phone call or to meet with that community group. Right. And so it's not, it's not that you're a concierge or a provider of religious goods and services that the question is, are they in the family or not? Right. You, you respond to questions differently based on, are they your kids? Are they That's in your exactly family? Right. Or are they someone you've, you've never met before? That's and exactly you have right. a, you have a responsibility for all people, but it is different if they're in the family. I'd like to ask him a daughter a question. Please What's do. Up? So, so non-senior pastors or non-elders, um, we're sitting around and we're thinking someday when I'm the lead pastor, or senior pastor, or I plan a church or I become an elder, here's how I'm going to do membership. And uh, I just can't wait for that day. Yeah. But uh, A, we're not promised that day will ever come. Uh, and B, uh, what do we do in the meantime? And so I, I want to ask Emma, like... Hey, you know, if you're sitting there in a church and you're listening to this podcast and you're going, membership isn't quite everything that I hope and dream it could be, um, like, what do I do? Yeah. The first, the first thing that comes to mind is Daniel 2. And so as a young person seeing something that I perceive to be problematic in my church, how do I address it? I've got to remember that God could have made me a guy and a head pastor, but he didn't. I'm not in charge. And what, assuming that I know everything is never going to set myself up to succeed. If I'm going to have a conversation with a leader at my church, I have to walk in knowing God didn't put me in charge and I don't know everything. It doesn't mean that the person who is in charge knows everything or is perfect, but I've got to have that heart posture. Humility. And, yeah. yeah. But then as I, as I see something uh, that seems off, like if I'm like the Bereans in the book of Acts and I'm like, man, I don't know. If, if they're missing it uh, or if they're getting it right, I'm going to walk into that conversation and humbly just ask questions. Hey, I, I was reading this and I noticed X, Y, and Z. What do you think about that? How, how, do you, how do we think through these things as a church? I'd love to hear. And just open the door for conversation. So to summarize, you walk in, you can have convictions, uh, you can read the scriptures and have interpretations, but you want to lead with questions and you want to honor those who are in authority over you. Absolutely. You know? And um, and they do know, th- they probably do know things that you don't know. Uh, they can, everyone can be sharpened, but you do so. You walk in there. <laughs> <laughs> These four verses tell you that uh, what you're doing is wrong. That never goes well. Yeah, and I would assume the best. Yeah, 
I would good. assume they want what's good. best for the church as well. Yeah. Well, That's and right. go That's about right. and continue being the best member you can possibly be. Like, I want to support and serve good. and honor the leaders God has. Pl- I'm, I'm going to treat those leaders the way I would hope to be treated if I were a leader someday. And and so you can do that today. You don't have to wait for a promotion to do that. Okay. So as we close, I think there's two applications there for two different groups. One is uh, we don't have membership. We're not really thinking about this. And so I think the obvious application is what what could you do to kind of take steps that way? And if you don't want to use a database or you you know don't want to do uh, membership covenants every year, you need to do something to give an account uh, for the people that uh, you're going to have to give an account for. Okay. Then I think there's also this second group. They actually have a membership covenant. They've got a membership process, but in many respects, it's a name only. Mm-hmm. And they would not be able to give an account for um, the souls of the people that are in the congregation. And um, however you do that for us, uh, we've got a system of community groups, uh, community group leaders, community group shepherds and staff. And so uh, there are multiple people who could literally give an account for the souls of every single one of those per, uh, people. You can, you can play that game if you want to open up our, you know, our database and pick out a name and someone should know what's going on. That's how we've chosen to do it. Um, if you just have a membership covenant that they've signed, but you're not doing this, then you need to, I, I think, uh, think long and hard. You know, I don't know if you need to publicly repent, but behind closed doors, you need to be thinking about things that you need to do uh, to make sure that you can pull off this Hebrews 13, 17. So those will be two applications uh, for two different groups. So uh, friends, thanks so much for being uh, it was fun. with us. I love yeah, it. Really, really good time. Well, that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. In the show notes, we will put links to our membership process and documents that we use so you can see those. And again, uh, just so you have an example. If you have any questions or comments, you can always reach us at clp at watermark.org, clp at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time.